0: to episode 6 of Sisters Coffee and Crime. I'm Sandra and I'm Christina. Today we are talking about Michael Wayne McGray. This is a man that bragged about being Canada's worst serial killer. He was convicted of killing seven people but he claims to have killed 11 people in Canada and the U.S. between the years of 1985 and 1998. Join us while we discuss the murders of Michael Wayne McGray. So Michael was born in Collingwood, Ontario, but he grew up in Nova Scotia. Now, by Michael's accounts, he had a pretty rough childhood. He claims that he was physically and mentally abused, mostly by his alcoholic father, who would just punish him for whatever reason he could find. Michael also claims that he was sexually abused in a reform school he went to in Shelburne, Nova Scotia. As a young man, Michael became obsessed with true crime stories specifically ones about serial killers. When he was an adult, he lived his life as a drifter. He moved around frequently. He also lived a life of crime. He was constantly in and out of prison. Robberies, weapons charges, and drug charges were all on his rap sheet. He once even disappeared for a whole year while he was on parole. And the case that started it all and kind of got police looking at him as a murderer Mm -hmm. happened on February 28th, 1998. Joan Hicks and her 11-year-old daughter, Nina Hicks, were murdered in their home. Joan and Nina were living in an apartment in Moncton, New Brunswick. Now, they weren't living in Moncton for very long, just about six months they were previously in Newfoundland. And what brought them to Moncton is actually kind of a strange story. So, Joan was helping people who were in trouble with the law while she was in Newfoundland. And one of her friends ends up going to prison. And Joan starts to write to them. And this friend tells Joan that, like other people that are incarcerated, could use some letters. Okay. So, she starts writing to other inmates. And she sparks up this relationship with this man named Aubrey. And because he's incarcerated, she moves closer to Moncton so that she can be, like, close to him and pursue a relationship with him. Okay. Now, her older daughter, Judy, along with the rest of her family, did not want her to move to Moncton. They're not happy about this. They actually called the RCMP to try to get Joan to, like, not have a relationship with this man. Okay. It obviously doesn't work Mm because she moves. But when she moves to Moncton, she starts to be friends with this woman named Tammy. And Tammy is friends. not she's not friends with them, sorry. Tammy is the girlfriend of Michael McRae. Now, Joan is going to be found on her bathroom floor. She had been beaten, strangled, and had her throat slit. Her pink nightgown was up over around her head. And when police got to the house, they think that Nina's missing because they don't see her daughter. Yeah. And while they're searching the house, they find her in her closet. She was hung by a piece of rope. Mm -hmm. She had been strangled with a belt that they're going to find later on on top of her bed. So this is what happened. Early... Uh, the morning in the morning, a witness goes to report to police that Michael McGray committed these murders. Now, this witness reportedly says that he was with Michael during the murders, but he couldn't stop it. This guy's name is Glenn Bennett, and he was never charged or faced any jail time for it. He just says he was there, he saw it, he couldn't stop it. Now, Michael gets arrested. Like, that day. Mm -hmm. And he tells police that he spent the day using cocaine and he got the urge to kill. That day, Michael and his girlfriend, Tammy, get into a huge fight. Tammy goes to Joan's house to cool down. Michael goes to to Joan's house to get his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. He sends Tammy away. Okay. And he says when he gets Joan in the house, in her hallway, he choked her. And then he slits her throat using a bread knife to ensure that she was dead. Michael does say that he never killed Nina. In fact, when he, when he says that he did any of his crimes, he never says that he did them alone. He, oh, there's always someone there. Okay. No one really buys his story that somebody else did it. I mean, Glenn went straight to police and told them what happened. Right. Which nobody's too happy that he didn't get charged with anything because he basically well, just lost. obviously, yeah, of yeah. course. But he does get convicted of both murders and um, he's obviously in a life sentence for that. Mm-hmm. Just one because they run concurrent, sure. as always. But while he's in prison, he writes to the Crown Prosecutor and mm-hmm. tries to get a deal. He says he wants better living conditions. Of course. Of course yeah. He tells the prosecutor that he had information on murder cases that they're not going to get solved without his help. Now, he does make a few high-handed demands in this letter. He says he wants to get psychiatric help for himself, which um, he definitely needs. I don't think that's high-handed. But he says that he wants immunity for two people that helped him with the crimes. So he wants them to get immunity. Yes. Okay. One is an old girlfriend, but he refuses to identify her. And the other person he doesn't identify either. Okay. And he also doesn't want any more prison time added to what he's already serving. He only wants to serve his one life sentence and that's, that's it. Okay. okay. Well, the Crown and the police don't uh, meet these demands. Okay, yeah. But he is forced to do 60-day program for intensive psychiatric evaluation. Sure. Now, this evaluation, I'm not in the mental health industry. I don't know. But this says that he has Tourette Syndrome. And this is the cause of his urge to kill? That's what the report said? Yes. When I read that, I was like, am I reading this right? Can Tourette's syndrome lead to an urge to I know it's like impulsiveness. I get that, because you get these like impulses that you can't control. Sure. But it can't lead to murder, can it? I mean, not that I've ever heard of, but they seem to be thinking, yes, it can correct bizarre yeah is this like strange yeah, this is strange to me i've never heard of such a thing me either and even though the police and the crown won't take his deal michael mcgray can't shut up he talks <laughs> to police and to reporters to reporters <laughs> to reporters this guy is a piece of work so according to michael he says that he murdered 17 year old elizabeth Gale tucker now she went missing in nova scotia in 1985 while Elizabeth was on her way to a new city for a job, she started to work at a fish plant that was located in Digby, Nova Scotia. Okay. She was going to move there and out of her mother's house, mm-hmm. and her mother, whose name is Mary Lake, wanted to give her some money uh like for transportation. Okay. But she wouldn't be able to get the money until the following week. Right. Elizabeth is like, I'm not waiting, I'm just going to hitchhike. Right. So she does her mom ends up reporting her missing when Elizabeth doesn't get in contact with her within a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So police can track Elizabeth's last movements. Mm-hmm. They know that she was hitchhiking and her trail goes cold in, somewhere in Weymouth, Nova Scotia. They would later find Elizabeth's body um, about six months after she went missing and she died from stab wounds. A man that was walking his dog found her skeletal remains and mm-hmm. he finds her clothes like a short distance right from where her body is. Okay. Now Michael says that Elizabeth, he, that she was hitchhiking, but his story is that him and his friend okay. pick Elizabeth up and they try to get her to have sex with them. Okay. This doesn't work out. Elizabeth flat out refuses and so Michael killed her. I think he actually says that his friend... Uh, he likes to put things on his friends. I think he actually says that he his doesn't friend... He doesn't want to take responsibility. He doesn't want to take responsibility for anything. God but does. he does. I don't know. It's very strange. This guy is... Is yeah. something. Yeah, the RCMP, they investigate and they find evidence um, that Michael was telling the truth. They okay. interview a guy, and I think this is the guy that they think was in the car with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gregory Ashford. He was interviewed in connection with the murder, but at the end, Michael was convicted of this murder, and Gregory, nothing happened to him. Okay. So I don't know if he was there or he wasn't, but I know he was interviewed for it. So now Michael says that he can solve more murders from Halifax, St. John's, Moncton, Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, Calgary, Vancouver, and Seattle, Washington. Wow. Wow. Most of his victims are gay men, sex workers, the homeless, and drug addicts. So, so people that he thought... The most vulnerable people, basically. Right, right, exactly. Now, he doesn't recall the actual dates, but he can recall the things that happened. Here's a quote from an interview that Michael did with the Globe and Mail. Quote, half the fun for me is remembering the details. He goes on to say, like a craving or hunger, it's something I have to do. It gets to a point where I just can't control it anymore. Yes. Now, one of the murders that Michael was convicted of is the murder of Mark Daniel Gibbons. Okay, so this is a story. Mark was stabbed in St. John's in 1987. Okay. So Michael, Mark, and their friend Norm Warren decide that on November 14th, 1987, they're going to rob a taxi driver. So they get into the car, and um, Mark is sitting at the front, and the other two are in the back. Okay. And they go to rob him, rob the taxi driver, and Mark takes a knife out and stabs the taxi driver in the hand. Okay. The three of them leave, they run out of the taxi, and that, that taxi driver calls police. And when police get to the scene, they find that Mark was stabbed. Well, actually, he was found um, at at a mall called the Marketplace, and he was found by a janitor. But he was stabbed once, just underneath the heart. Oh, wow. So it was really close. It was really close. To to killing him. Okay. Well, he did die. Oh, he did? Yeah. That's just where he was stabbed. It was just underneath the heart, and he did die. The following day, Norm and Michael, the brainiacs that they are, decide to call the police and ask about Mark. The guy that, I don't know if Michael didn't tell the other guy that he killed or that he stabbed Mark or what it was. Okay. But they decide to call the police and ask about. So why did he think that they should call the police? I have no idea. But they do, they call the police, and the police, they trace the call, and this leads to them being both being arrested. Now, obviously they separate them, they talk to Michael, and Michael says that Norm killed him. Oh, yeah. It's like, it wasn't me, kind of thing. And okay. now, the police believe Michael mm-hmm. because Norm was found guilty of murdering a cab driver and served 17 years. So, for them, it's like, well, okay, we're gonna believe that the sure. guy who's already convicted of murder is the murderer. Yeah, I gotcha. Now Michael serves five years for the robbery, but nothing about the murder. It's just for for the robbery. And while he's in prison for this crime, this makes my head hurt. He is given a three day pass to go out. I didn't. Do did we do this? I. I we don't. The. <laughs> criminal system does in Canada but this is crazy so on Easter weekend March 1991 Michael goes to a gay bar in Montreal okay and he meets a man named Robert Astley, who is a retired school teacher Robert and Michael go to Robert's home and they have a few drinks they watch tv and Michael falls asleep and he wakes up early the next morning and he hears Robert getting ready for the day So Michael goes to the kitchen and he gets a knife. He approaches Robert and tells him to get on the floor. Robert kind of laughs, thinks that he's joking. And Michael hits him with a lamp. Oh, God. And then he stabs him in the throat and chest. On his three-day weekend pass? Yes. He leaves the apartment with a bottle of alcohol, but he takes nothing else. So they found all the credit cards. They knew it wasn't a robbery. Do you know what I mean? Right. Then the following day... He goes out to the same area and he meets a man named Gayton Ether. And they go back to Gayton's apartment. Okay, so they're supposed to spend the rest of the weekend together. Michael says that Gayton falls asleep on the bed after he had tried to make a pass at him, but Michael says that he refused him. So he'll he says that he watched him sleep for most of the night, which is hella creepy. Yeah, very creepy. Yeah, <laughs> and the next morning, he smashes him in the head with a bottle and then stabs him. And he gives but no like, reason. No like, reason why. Like he actually says that he attacked him while he was sleeping. Okay. Do you? But he did some things, and they know that it's true. Like I think I believe with this one, he cut the phone line. Okay. And nobody knew that, so they know that he was there. Okay. Again, Michael takes a bottle of alcohol with him, which is bizarro. Mm-hmm. After this one, Michael doesn't go back to prison, but he's rearrested, like, because he's on a three-day pass, and mm-hmm. he's rearrested a few days later. Oh, so he doesn't go back. He doesn't where, go back, doesn't, like, we're supposed in. to. Okay, gotcha. When Michael is interviewed, he says the same thing over and over again. Prison isn't going to stop him from killing... Okay. So he applies for a transfer from a maximum security prison to a medium security prison. And it's actually granted. (laughs) When Michael applied for it, uh, it was granted twice before he actually took it. So on the third time that they say, yes, you can go to this medium security, that's when he goes. Okay. And one of the main differences is that he goes from having his own cell to sharing a cell. Okay, And this is really unfortunate for one man named Jeremy Phillips. Jeremy is serving time for aggravated assault. And on November 21st, 2010, Michael ties up Jeremy with some torn bedsheets, stuffs a sock down his throat, and strangles him. He's going to leave Jeremy there for hours before um, he tells anybody that he killed him. And Michael admits to killing him. Right off the bat, which isn't surprising. He was the only other person in the the cell. cell. He can't, right? Right. He says his reasoning is, I don't know why he has to make up these stories, but he says that Jeremy wanted to do a hostage-taking situation. Okay. Which I don't really understand how he thinks that anyone's going to believe him because he just, it wasn't like he was like, oh, help me, something's happening. Do you know what I mean? Like there was no hostage role-playing thing. Okay. Okay yeah I, I understand what you're saying, you know, and um also, I don't know why Jeremy would say to do that because he was eligible for parole in just six weeks. Oh wow now, this situation sparks an internal review, and the and a lot of inmates are going to say that Jeremy was really scared of Michael and he was constantly asking to be moved, but the prison says that. After an assessment, it was found that it would be safe for Michael to bunk with another person. Clearly not. So Jeremy's parents end up suing the Correctional Services of Canada, and this lawsuit gets settled out of court in 2012. Because of Jeremy's murder, it's recommended that prisons across Canada should make multiple murderers bunk alone, which I didn't know was a thing. Okay, so serial killers now... It's recommended that they don't have... Not just serial killers, but people who've killed more than one person. There's mass murderers and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. Michael would ultimately be transferred to a maximum security prison uh, in Quebec. Now, very recently, as of July of 2019, the Nova Scotia Supreme Court came out and stated that Michael is a prime suspect for a murder that happened in 1995. Uh, a woman named Brenda Way was murdered. She was found with her throat slashed in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Her boyfriend, Glenn, was convicted of it, and he spent 17 years in jail, but he always maintained his innocence, and okay. he was actually cleared because of DNA. 17 years later? Yeah, and wow. he was let out of jail. So okay. they think that there's a connection there. I haven't heard anything else of it. I mean, it just happened in July of 2019. Right. But this is kind of interesting. He never mentioned this person, but I think that he killed more than and what did, he admitted to. Right. And so now, did the police say because he's a, a person of interest, did they say anything about evidence that they have or why he's a person you know, of interest? You know, they didn't say person of interest. They said a suspect. Oh, okay. So did they say why? No, they don't give you those kind of details. Okay. I don't know what's going to happen with that case, but if we hear anything, we'll update We'll definitely keep you updated. Mm-hmm. Um, so Michael was convicted of killing seven people. Joan, Nina, Elizabeth, Mark, Robert, Gayton, and Jeremy. He claims to have killed more victims. He says that he killed a sex worker and a gay man in Seattle. And this happened in 95 and 96. Okay. And he says that he murdered three gay men in Montreal. And he also killed a 50-year-old man and buried him in a Toronto park. So those are all the ones that he admits to, plus what he got convicted of. Okay. Were those people ever found? Like, the guy who he claims to have buried in Toronto? No. This is these why he wasn't convicted of any of this, because they could never... Okay. They don't know but, if but those are can, true. Yeah, got it. Okay. But from the way that this guy kind of sings like a canary all the time, I I have to... I I believe him. Right. And I think that there's more. Right. It's a really long period of time for him to... Have not done anything. Right. Yeah. So that's it. That's the case of Michael Wayne McCray, And it's a, it was definitely a disturbing case to research. And I'm going to have nightmares about it. Um, please remember to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at sisters underscore crime. And on Instagram at crime. Thanks for listening. This is Christina. And Sandra. Talk soon.